This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. Welcome to The Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. And today we have Judge Julie in the studio. So please don't judge me. I won't judge you. Because it could get ugly before it gets beautiful. Welcome, Judge Julie. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Did you drive down today? Yep, down the new bit of road, two lanes all the way. Pretty good, actually. Nice, easy drive. Very like good. the new bit, nice and scenic. It is, yeah. I went on there the first day it was opened. Have they got a plaque up? <laughs> no, and I didn't get a ticket. Thank you very much, Mr Jones. <laughs> no souvenirs, you mean. No souvenirs. <laughs> it is pretty cool, though. So we get to have Judge Julie for the whole half hour today. Yeah, got lots of things to talk about. Got a question from her favourite listener, Nigella. He's very excited that you're in the Waikato. All right, Barry, what is it? Question one. This actually happened to poor Nigella. Somebody not very far removed from here opened a no Trump against him with 14 when they were meant to have 15 to 17. Oh, I see. And he didn't really like that. And he thought it was alerted as 15 to 17. And perhaps I should have. Whoops. Did I say me? I should have self-alerted it as 14 to 17 because I actually only had 14. Okay, so what's the question? Should I alert it as 14 to 17 or should I alert it as 15 to 17? Okay, so alerts are about partnership agreements and partnership agreements are not necessarily what you're bidding on at the time on BBO. So you don't have to tell your opponent everything you have in your hand or exactly what you've got in your hand when you self-alert because clearly that's helping your opponents too much. Now we have two types of agreement. We have explicit agreements like one no trump 15 to 17 points and we have implicit agreements which is what happens over time. For example you might play week twos that are meant to be six and your partner keeps doing it with five. Eventually the explanation will be six card suit but every now and then it will be a five card suit. We also have a thing about hand evaluation and I know a lot of us are using high card points mm-hmm. but it's not the only thing there's things about hands with extra suits when I learned a long time ago we used to open 13 point hands but we counted extra points for length and suits if we had a long suit we gave it extra value tens and nines I know people count half points for tens they're an honour so having cards that work with cards gives you more value but you don't count more People will open hands where they are treating it as though it is their partnership agreement. They're not operating outside. They just think, hey, this hand is too good for 14 points. I'm going to open it 15 to 17, one no trump this time. However, if you keep doing that and you do it with 90% or 75% of your hands, then you start explaining it as 14 to 17. But if you do it every now and then because you've got something special and you're treating it as though it's 15 to 17, you are actually operating within your partnership agreement. 
How I many times have you lied or revalid your hand then? More than twice. <laughs> Over what period of time and what sort of hand? <laughs> I mean, I guess an example is a suit where you've got Jack 432 or you've got Jack 1098. Wow. I mean, the difference is just huge. Yeah. And Ace Queen Doubleton as a six count or Ace Queen 1093 as your six count. Which one yeah. do you like? I mean, seriously, mm. there's, there's just some big differences. I did play with someone that said you can value up, but you never, ever reduce the value of your hand. You will find, and I actually had someone tell me about this the other day, someone had 18 points and they opened at 15 to 17. So it's not just valuing up. Sometimes you might value it down as well because of things like Barry said, Jack 432. I mean, that's horrible. That's not even a one count a lot of the time. So both ways. The thing with 18 points, I th- believe in what Julie's saying, which I'd say, not never, like she says, not never <laughs> value down, but I quite like the idea of you know, valuing up frequently when you have something good in your yep. hand and valuing down really. I think that's probably fair enough. It would have to be <laughs> something bad to value down. How would you rate that? Would you rate if you valued your 14 count up to a 15 to 17, the number of times Jenny rolls her eyes when she becomes a declarant? You put your hand down and you're like, oh, Mary. How many times has that happened? Well, I couldn't honestly say never. (laughs) Actually, that's not a bad litmus test. If your partner rolls their eyes frequently, change your explanation because you're doing it too often. So we'll, we'll allow Ginny to adjudicate that one. Oh, oh dear, we're having lunch today after the show. <laughs> Hopefully Judge Julie will have forgotten by then. Uh, <laughs> not likely. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so another example, quite like the one you gave about the week too. Now there is, are we all, maybe we're not vul against vul or something, and mm. we've got even like a four count with a six card suit. And we're not vul against vul. And we're playing our week twos of six to nine. If we open with our four count, Mariana. Oh, look. Hey, oh, hands up. I did that. Yep, and, and I did with a three count just recently online as well. I mean, hey, you know, I had some tens and nines and stuff, yep. you know. I mean, but am I really going to, once again, I've still got to put our explanation down as six to nine. It's sort of like a partner opens and you respond with a five count. So say Mariana opens one heart and I bid one spade on my five spades and my five count, and you then make a game-forcing bid, I would keep bidding because I think my hand is worth the value that I set. Mm. Right? I might be one or two points outside of what you might be expecting, but I think that hand has that value, and I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to bid it appropriately when you make me bid again. Mm. If I am embarrassed or ashamed, I must be getting close to a gross misdescription of the hand as as a definition of a psych. But if I'm fudging things frequently on two points less or three points less, then I might start including the fact that occasionally my partner may be a bit light in my explanation. I I think the good players are much more these days. If they've got a five-card major with an ace in it, takes a fair bit to stop make them pass. If partner opens and they've got a five a decent five card major, they tend to be bidding on it, like even on a four count. You see it a lot these days. You know, at the top level we watch them, if they've got a decent five card major and an excuse to bid at the one level, they might not have six points. <gasps> 
I guess that's when we have to learn to chuck the rule book away sometimes, or even, you sorry, your learner's notes away sometimes. You have to be fairly flexible and look at your hand and value it appropriately for a pass, because sometimes you're passing on 12. Hey, it's not always going to work out. I didn't say it's going to work all the time. <laughs> There'll be times when partner looks at your fork out and says, what were you putting on that for? True. Yeah. And I mean, point count is where we start so we can teach people the game. We expect people to learn to value their hands over time and they're looking at it in different ways about what works and experience tells us. Some hands for a given value are way better than others. Well, what about the valuation? So we do high card points. What happens if people use a different system to value their points? Then we have some fun. Um, Because in all fairness, we've got to have an explanation that suits. So Patrick and I tried a thing called Chisonic once, which meant that you added points on for aces, deducted points for jacks, added points on for cards that worked together, deducted them when they were by themselves, and we tried it, and I got through, I think, two rounds of the New Zealand Peers at Congress and said, if we do this, I'm just going to be dead by the end of the day. <laughs> uh, taking way too long. You start yep. counting, and then by the time you get to the end of valuing your hand, you've forgotten what you started with. So <laughs> really effective, but really, really hard. And there's Fantoni. They came up with things and Zars points and Zars losing counts. have been around for a while. They're all sort of quite effective in their own way, aren't yeah. they? But-, but when they're explaining the hand to people when you are playing against people in tournaments and at club, you have to bring it down to things that people understand what you're saying. And you can't just say, oh, I've got 26 czar points because, I mean, what on earth are they? So you have to say that the range of your opening bid perhaps is now 9 to 15 or 10 to 15 or 10 plus or something like that and bring it to a level that people understand. And in general, the valuation of high-carb points gets us there. It's a common language. It's like Esperanto. Everybody, well, not everybody nowadays, but, I mean, it's a universal thing that people understand. So it should be alerted prior to bidding? You have your system card or pre-alerts or things, or when you're making a bid that your opponents may expect to be different to what you've got, then perhaps alert it. But some things aren't alertable, like when we're playing at the club, weak twos or intermediate twos or strong twos don't require an alert. So if I open two diamonds or two hearts or something like that, it could be six to nine, it could be five to nine, it could be 11 to 14, it could be 16 plus. So they're not required an alert as long as they show the, that suit and that only that suit, though they may have another suit some of the time. If you're courteous, we're about active ethics, then if you're playing something different, you'd let your opponents know. So Patrick and Julie, when they play their system where they open hands with less than what people normally might expect they'd always alert if they're opening a heart and it shows 9 to 13 or something they would always alert that even though it shows hearts so what we've got in the studio judge Julie let's get a little bit about these lessons I've heard about that you're giving how have they been going over lockdown and what sort of player are you targeting them at Okay, well, I'm a fan of um, teaching people at a lower level. I find that more interesting, and I'm enthused. It's actually why I like directing, because when you play, you tend to meet the same people, and they ask you horrible questions like, what will you do on this hand? I'm more a fan of sort of the basics and getting people to enjoy the game and coming along. Normally, I do a supervised duplicate at the Auckland Bridge Club where we do a lesson and then just some fun play random hands. Of course in lockdown we haven't been able to do that. I do teach privately and 
I've been doing that with Skype and Microsoft Teams, similar to Zoom. Google Hangouts, I tried originally. We eventually got there. So with Skype and things like that, you can share your screen and you can do presentations and a wealth of information on BBO. And we've actually, with the Auckland Bridge Club, we've just had our first lesson where we've had the beginners come on to BBO and do lesson three with their opening and first response where we've had our group come on and actually play on BBO and do the hands on BBO. How many in the group, Julie? There's 12, which is really good for doing a table. And almost half of the people that we had originally, because we only had a small intake earlier, and then, of course, we had one lesson at the club and everything stopped. So it's been really good to be able to do stuff online. Been a big learning curve, uh, learning how to use teams and getting people on and and doing things so I do three sessions a week at well four coming up today uh, Monday and Thursday for novices and I do a Friday session for people that are low level that would like to play without playing the big guns and all the hassle of what happens when you've got a self-alert and that so you're still learning and I'm starting one tonight for people that have gone back to work. And now did Lesson 3 go online with those people? Good, they? really yeah. good, yeah, because we had the Teams, we had like Zoom and Microsoft Teams is basically the same. So you can be talking and everyone can hear you and you can see it as well. It is, it's really, really good and very effective. But harder work because when you're doing a presentation, oh, it's not me that's doing the teaching, I'm just facilitating. But when you're teaching people with a presentation, there's no feedback. You can't see them, so you, you normally have the sound off because otherwise it gets really annoying. Little feedback when you're teaching online, and it's sort of like a deep hole out there, and you don't know if people are enjoying it or not. Can they enjoying chat? It. I know they probably don't because yeah. they they've probably got too much to think about. But. Yeah. yeah, they can, and they can chat, and you can ask them questions. So generally, you just have the sound off, and then you ask for questions at times in between, and allow people to maybe ask a specific question about a slide, so you can slow down. Because, again, the speed that you teach is different as well because you just can't tell what what's happening. But it's been interesting, and it's actually quite a few people are enjoying it, and that's really good. So at least we're still doing things, and we're still learning, and it's great fun. And people can do it from their lounge. Yep, absolutely. I don't think it will ever replace being with people at a club. I mean, BBO has been around for years, and we've all played on BBO for years. And I think that sociability that we have when we're at the club is a very, very important part of the game. Even the young generation that are playing on BBO, which are basically the online generation, even they play at clubs. So that thing about personal contact with people clearly has a a really high value for us. Mm, The Hamilton Bridge Club did a survey of their members to see what they thought about whether we need should be wearing gloves and what should happen. And the overwhelming thing that came through was 90% 90% of members couldn't wait to get back to the club. It was yeah. really surprising. Well, I don't know whether that's surprising, but it was overwhelmingly people want to get back there. It is. It's a, a socialisation. And yeah. one of the things that they discovered when Damiani came over and we had him visit, and they were talking about youth bridge. I mean, in some countries like Poland and that, it's very strong. But initially, they were looking to get government help. And one of the key things was socialisation for children and that when they were dealing with people across a large age group, they actually performed socially and maturity and things were way better. So there were things about learning bridge or doing something in a social context with a wide range of ages that actually is really, really good for people. That's probably some of the stuff that Sam Punch has been, some of the work she's been doing about social skills and things that people get when they go to the bridge club and meet people and talk to them. Have you sent your questionnaire away? Yeah, let's move on. (laughs) 
all tall, all tall. Have you done yours? I have done half of mine. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, but it is. It's quite interesting. You should open it up. Don't forget to send it off. We're still in COVID, so it's still relevant. You could tell her about how sad you were about getting your Don't Come Tuesday call. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mention that last week on the show. I was going to, but I didn't actually bring it up. I got a, instead of getting the DCM, I got the DCT and the and, <laughs> and sir. Tuesdays and Thursdays. When I was directing Tuesdays and Thursdays, Judge Julie came on and said, that's it, you're sacked. <laughs> well, you're not, actually. Did you not see the latest one? Am I on there? Okay, so we've had a, a drop as we've gone down. Yep. Uh, we've had some changes of the numbers of people who are playing the online things at afternoon and an evening. The numbers were dropping so far in the evening, we decided that Patrick decided he could quite comfortably cope with one group by himself. But the numbers have been a bit... As soon as you've only got one group, everyone wants to play it, and the numbers have gone a bit up again. So he's doing another one now. So we're doing a small group at 7.20 and a larger group at 7.30. So I sent my last email, which clearly Barry hasn't actually seen oh, yet. I did actually see it. I didn't think I was on there, but anyway. <laughs> You're not, but I asked for volunteers to help. Oh, OK. You see, oh. So that we could... Because Patrick really likes doing things like Scrabble and Bridge and he does a lot of it and he really enjoys doing it. Matter of fact, I can't imagine what he would have done without being able to do this. Yes. But he's not good at taking a break and he is really good at doing too much. <laughs> so we sent out for volunteers to so he doesn't do two sessions simultaneously yep. and maybe some people would help, which would be good. He can cope, but it's just like anything, when something's not available, all of a sudden it gains popularity. So we're sort of getting back to things at the moment. Don't know for how long, though. I was so, happy to get the sack. I think we'd all rather play than direct. <laughs> well, no, no, it's not true. Isn't it? <laughs> no. I'd rather, I'd rather play than direct. He'll always play before he directs. <laughs> Some of us, well, I, I must admit that I'm sort of in the playing zone now, but I used to find it so very, very hard at Congress when I was directing, do I want to direct or do I want to play? When you direct, like I said, you get to see a wide range of people. And you, sure you do. Get, <laughs> and you get to enthuse people and to help them. When you're playing, generally we tend to meet a very small group of people. I mean, the numbers yes. that attend Congress, we tend to keep playing the same people again and again. Yep. And we play them very frequently. The challenge of the game and the enjoyment of the competitive side is great. But being able to give to people is something that you really enjoy. I mean, that's pretty good as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you do see some weird and wonderful things happening when you're directing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested about the chat function. Do you guys get to see all the chat that's going on? No, only if we're at the table. Oh, okay. Okay, and the tournament chat. So yep. we don't. We have seen the odd blow up about when there's yep. been some chat that someone's found yep. offensive or uncaring or someone's been rude to their partner. In general, we'll only see at the table what is happening when we are there, the same as you when you are there. Mm. Unless somebody speaks to the tournament. Yeah. yeah. There was an instant last week where we played and it was an obvious sort of misclick. And then they said, could we have an undo, please? And I typed in and I was like, oh, I'm afraid there's no undos. And then I got this big seriously with exclamation, exclamation. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, yeah, you have to read the ABCs at the beginning of the tournament. They were like, I want an undo. And they, I said, oh, well, you're going to have to call the director if you want to do that. They'll probably say the same thing as I do. And then it came back with, that's rude. And I was like, oh. We have people that misclick, clearly, and they yep. want undos. And a whole range of people that do that. It's not nothing to do with ability. It's just I've 
something and I've done it with leading where the cards rearrange themselves which is really annoying and all of a sudden you're leading something completely different and it's too late the people that misclick will say misclick or mistake some of the time or they'll make a description that clearly like this poor woman opened four clubs in the novice thing the other day and was describing it as four plus clubs and so when she hit the four instead of typing it (laughs) next minute she's opened four clubs and and she wrote mistake for the the self-alert and her opponents wanted to know what it meant well there is no meaning when you've misclicked and it's just no meaning and so you just say no meaning or send a message to the director I have misclicked or something because the opponents then want you to explain and you can't because mm. what is what is the agreement for when I've opened three spades when I've got a one heart opener I mean seriously yeah. <laughs> so what happens they said right we want to undo no we're not undo get the director so in that case he was just like sorry there are no undos and oh. tell the people look they've made a misclick there's, yeah. that's it there's no explanation for misclick yeah. there's no agreements there's, it's not a psych it is just a really bad mistake and I am really sorry but that's it actually I'm pleased there's no undos I know that people get upset about it but when you're directing, I mean, it would be a nightmare if people were calling you all the time to say they'd misclicked and some of them might not have misclicked. They might have just changed their mind. I mean, who, and you'd have to judge. It would be just terrible. It is pretty yeah. standard. I mean, we've got the law about when an unintended call and things like that. But what happens when you allow undos is some people do, some people don't. Some people get really cranky. Some people do it when they've made a mistake, when they've actually made a wrong bid, not when yeah. they've made pushed the wrong yeah. thing. And there are a whole raft of stuff. So all the tournaments that Patrick and I have ever played in on BBO, there are no undos, partly because it is just so fraught with ill feeling. Mm. At least when it's across the board, we all know what the story is. It's really unlucky. It's just life. Yeah, my partner did a misclick last night and left me in the response to Stamen. Two clips, two diamonds, pass, pass, pass. Sorry, misclick. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It didn't have you can a happy ending. guarantee one misclick from you two, at least in a session. It didn't have a happy ending, I can tell you that. Oh, dear. <laughs> I remember years ago playing in a tournament. We were playing Precision for the first time, my partner and I, and he opened one club. And we were playing in Diamond Harbour. It was a terrible thing to do because no one in Diamond Harbour had any idea what was going on. It went one club past and I thought for a long... And they asked what it was and I explained very clearly. It showed 16 plus points. It had any shape whatsoever. And I was looking at my six count and by the time I got to the end of the explanation, I forgot to bid. So I passed. <laughs> and we could only make three clubs. We couldn't make game which we should have because 19 points yeah. opposite we had game values and we got the screaming top board and it was just oh. so embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> so they can be valuable not very often no <laughs> <laughs> you know and you just sit there and the comments that we were getting i was like oh, i wasn't being rude i was just saying it said so in mm. that i wasn't Pop- having a crack what's embarrassing i think is when you you type an explanation in as to what your bid's going to mean so you type it in there in the little box and then you pass by mistake (laughs) you say this pass shows four plus spades and whatever it shows right clearly you didn't mean to pass clearly you didn't mean to pass but hey fast there's no undo so what mm. I do is I type and it's got a I haven't changed it from private to table and you think 
Oh, and you send it to maybe one of them. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing that is frustrating. When opponents make a bid and you want to question that bid, so you go and you question it, and then your partner says, your bid, and I'm like, oh, I'm just, you yeah. know, asking a question. And then they're like, what question? I've already alluded it. And I was like, oh, please, just leave me alone. And it makes you feel like you don't want to blim an ass. A um, couple of things. One is thinking which is really yeah. easy so if you just say thinking and send it and then worry about typing to your opponents yeah I did right. that before and someone said you think too much and I was That's, like okay okay <laughs> the other thing I'd point out was same with emails emails and texting and, yep. and all of these chat things no emotion what happens is the way that people perceive what's being said is very much in what sort of frame of mind that they're on so things can be sarcastic and ironic and friendly and nasty and all sorts all with the same words depending on the interpretation because when we talk to people we have emotional contact we can sound happy we can sound yeah you know, true, sad, true. right we can and sound bouncy we <laughs> <laughs> come and on grumpy right hey tigger sarcastic we can be happy and <laughs> sneezy <laughs> who's dopey <laughs> but yeah julie's right when you see something just in writing it looks a bit stark we have smiley faces Capitals is shouting, it is, and a lot of people don't know that. And I actually told somebody off quite early on not to yell at me, or they wouldn't be playing for very long. And they came back and said, "What do you mean?" <laughs> so, uh, but you know, it's that difference between people that know exclamation marks, question marks. Someone says something, and you get this whole raft of question marks. You get really antsy. It's interrogative. Mm. But smiley faces are by far the best thing we can do. I wouldn't even know how to add one of them. A colon with a bracket. Yeah, a column with a oh, one of them. Board yeah. Oh, Patrick put something up the other day. I'd be watching you, and it came out, and it looked yeah. like a face. And I was like, "Jeepers, how'd you get that?" And I was like, "Bloody clever, Dicky! I would never think to do that." He, he like went that. and he went and had a look in Wikipedia. Ah, apparently there are some that have more than one meaning, and you might want to be careful about which ones you use. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to use the one that says "up yours." Well, well no, there, there is one that he was using that had one meaning from the response that we got from some of the younger players clearly Ooh. it might have had another meaning that no one was telling us so. <laughs> but only Patrick would go into Wikipedia to look up emojis seriously I've just learnt the exclamation and the first letter of the suit I thought I was I gave myself a high five on that I was like oh look at that clever. <laughs> There's lots of things we've all learnt on BBO and during lockdown. Some of them haven't been pretty. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us on the Bridge Zone. Judge Julie and Father Jones have gone down to Urge Cafe for a spot of lunch and we'll continue on with our chat with Judge Julie next week. We're also going to reveal an update or an addition to the Bridge Zone. Catch you later. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.